pony that's ready to burn So get those stakes up higher Please allow me to project my opinions about the Stranger Things CES reveal in Las Vegas this week. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Twippy controversy that I just want to put a final nail in that coffin. And then I also want to do a retraction on this show that I forgot to do on my last podcast. I'm going to start with that. And you know me. On this show, I report stuff. I try to give you news as I hear it. I hear stuff from people that are heavily embedded right there, like the insiders in the, in the pinball hobby. And I get stuff and I, and I ask people, are you sure? Are you, are you, are you super sure? Are you going to pinky swear that this is true? And one of the things I got that I retracted was that the animator over at Jersey Jack Pinball had left Jersey Jack Pinball to join Deep Root. And that is 100% not the case. Now, here's, here's the thing. When it comes to people leaving companies, I, I think I'm just going to adopt this policy because if I think about the rumors I've really always been wrong on, it, it's been those, those rumors. I, I once reported that the CEO of Jersey Jack Pinball was stepping down or was gone. Now, that actually was true, but it happened a little bit after I reported it. Uh, and then Joe Balser leaving American Pinball was inaccurate. And same with this. So here, here's the thing. Moving forward... People leaving companies or shifting companies, I'm not reporting on it until I have actual information that validates that these people have switched. Because unlike a game, unlike rumored titles, you know, these are people's careers and this is, it's irresponsible to report on this stuff without confirmation, okay? So that, that's what we're going to do moving forward when it comes to people and their careers and, and pinball rumors. Now, that being said, if you're at a company, you're fair game. I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to talk about your designs. So speaking of, let's talk about Stranger Things at CES. Now, a golden opportunity to show the world the most innovative pinball machine of all time, and it's not going so well. And instead of like looking at this and, and laughing at Stern's attempt to showcase the projector, I, I just feel bad. Like I watch these videos. I watch Zach get up there. I'm watching him struggle to get the telekinesis thing to work. I'm watching the really whited out projection screen. And, and I, just, I just feel bad because I know what it's like to launch a product and not have the, the launch go the way you want it to go. Now, this is not really a launch. It's more of a celebration of technology and technology that's in pinball machines. And part of me was just a little bummed out because I'm like, wow, there's actually a lot of real cool technology in pinball machines. And we've got pinball up on the main stage at CES. And I, I kind of think this is maybe the worst pinball machine to put up on the main stage in front of a super large audience to celebrate pinball innovation and technology. And, and, and you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it, it would have been better even to see a P3 multimorphic, multiple games connected to each other and, ha and, and showcased, you know, internet play between pinball machines for the first time, which has never really been, has never happened before, right? So that, that's sort of like what I was feeling. Like, I felt bad for Zach that, that he had to show something in an environment which just doesn't work. 
And so then the question becomes, how will this thing work in your home? Um, we, we saw, if you saw the Brian Eddy stream on the flipping out stream last night, he said it looks fine in a home. It looks great in your home. But we just, here's the thing is we just haven't seen it look great anywhere. So then it begs the question, how do you capture this thing looking great and whose word do we have? You know, that's all I'm looking for. I'm, I'm not looking to stick a fork in this thing. I'm just looking to hear from someone who's played it in a normal game room environment and I'm just looking for their feedback. And I think coming out of CES, I, I think a lot of people are more skeptical now than ever before. We have people who understand how projectors work, how the lumens work. Is it lumens and, and the brightness of the projector? And, and there's a very good chance. I, I think if I were a betting man, there's a very good chance that Stern Pinball is not putting into this game a, a high-quality, expensive projector. You, do you really think that Stern is going to put the best possible hardware into the game? And that's the downside. That's the downside of where we are right now. When you try to be innovative, when you try to be ambitious, do you really think Stern Pinball is the company that's going to invest the money in making sure something like this is done correctly? Now, I'm still on the fence about whether or not this kind of technology implemented into pinball, I'm still skeptical that it's even just a good idea, right? I, I think it's, it's, a neat, it's a neat concept. It's an interesting new take. But if you were to ask me, there's nothing about this thing, like projecting onto the play field on a big white screen and on big white strips on the ramps, there's nothing about it that really feels like, like wow, like this is really going to enhance the gameplay experience of a pinball machine. And if you heard Brian Eddy talk about it last night, he said the reason he did it, and I was trying to get as much out of him when I was on there chatting, the reason he did it is he wanted the player to feel like they're in different parts of the Stranger Things universe uh, as they're playing the game. And the question I have for you, the, pl the player out there, the pinball hobbyist, do you really feel that this does that? Like this transforms that play field into the different worlds of Stranger Things and environments and modes and scenes? Like I, I don't really feel like in it enhances your, um, your immersion into the Stranger Things world. And I think the reason why that immersion doesn't happen is that the, the quality of the projection is just not great. So instead of feeling it, you're, you're being teleported into the world, you know, like when you put on a pair of, of, of good VR goggles, if any of you out there have done like really good VR, like to me, that, that is what it feels like to sort of be catapulted into different environments and into different worlds. Projecting it from the apron of a pinball uh, you know, game, like two feet up the play field, having a washed out image appear on the game just doesn't do it for me. You know, and I'll give you a good example of that. So one of the things that's being projected is the arcade sign from Stranger Things. You know, that cool arcade sign that's outside the 80s arcade that they go to. And instead of a physical sign 
that's in the game that rotates, you know, that's lit up like a neon sign, it's projected. And are you telling me that you'd rather have a flat projected image of an arcade sign versus a a, a 3D sculpted and, and molded 3D sign that actually spins inside the game? And, and that's my whole point with this game is that I think so much of the approach to it was built around this projector and I, you know i don't know if it if it succeeds in achieving what the goal of the designer was okay and 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 look look i haven't played the projector yet i don't think many people have i don't, i'm you know anyone who's over at vegas like i don't think anyone's going to walk away with where it's at right now and have a good experience with it so I think that's going to be, you know, it's a little frustrating, I, I can imagine, for premium and LE buyers right now to know exactly what they're getting themselves into. And we've never really seen this before. I, I mean this. I've been covering this hobby for a long time, and I've never seen there be such a head-scratching mechanism or piece of technology at attempted in a pinball game that, that is struggling to show people how it really functions and how it really works. So, uh, you know, jury is still out on this one. Something else that stood out, something else that stood out when I was listening to Brian talk about, Brian Eddy talk about the game is, you know me, and I believe that, that when you're super passionate about a theme and you love a theme to death, you're going to make the game special. And, you know, I, I talked about how I felt that the Big Lebowski was a result of that. I think there's other games out there that are re a result of just someone loves the property so much that they just they just made it magical. You know, I, I can't imagine George Gomez doesn't love Lord of the Rings with that pinball machine being a byproduct of his design, right? And so when Brian Eddy was asked, did you watch the Stranger Things show before joining Stern and working on the game and his answer was no like he 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 wasn't a fan of the show George told him the themes they had to work with and he was able to pick one and he picked Stranger Things and that's the beginning of Brian Eddy making Stranger Things now look look to be fair like it doesn't mean he didn't binge watch the show and fall in love with it like the way the rest of us did but there's just something about over at Stern. I just get this feeling, just a little bit of a feeling that that they're sort of answering assignments versus giving these designers the ability to make their dream themes come to life. And, you know, there's like, here are the themes we have secured. Here is what you can pick from and go make a game make it on this deadline and make it with this bomb in mind and and then you know that's it and i i think these games are i don't know they're starting to feel a lot like designers are answering an assignment versus bringing the thing that they love so much to life and i've said this when i look at stranger things and i know it shoots fine and, and it's it's a it's it's a you know brian eddie fan layout and it's got a lot of fast rewarding shots i don't disagree with any of that i just don't see the stranger things universe physically brought to life very much in this game at all 
I mean, all you got to do is look at where the Demogorgon is and look behind it. There's all this empty real estate. The pop bumpers are pointless. You don't even see them. Like, what is the point of having pops in a game if you don't even get to see the ball bounce back and forth? I mean, pop bumpers were designed to give a visually appealing moment when you're playing a pinball machine to hide them from the player. And you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just like Stern's just got... It's, it's, it's like they're checking the boxes. Do we have pop bumpers? Check. Do we have like a typical layout? Check. Do we have a fan layout? Check. Do we have a completely empty play field? Check. Do we have a million inserts? Check. You know, do we have reliable mechanisms that aren't doing anything too complex? Check. You know, it's just like they go down this checklist. And so you end up with a game like this. And, and I think it doesn't mean the game's not going to be fun, but it doesn't feel that inspired if that's a, a word I would use. It just doesn't. And the 20-year return to pinball, I mean, we, we got a game that sort of falls in line, and Brian says it. He's like, I wanted people, I didn't want to depart too much from what people know me for. And I understand that. You know, you, you don't want to, like, radically go crazy. Um, Brian has a formula that's worked really well. But when you put Stranger Things next to Medieval Madness, The Shadow, and attack from Mars, this one is the weakest. And so then it just, you know, it just, I don't know. I look at this stuff like, well, then what's the point? You're coming back 20 years later, everything you know, you love gaming, you love pinball. I think he ran into the same issue everyone, everyone runs into. I think he just ran in to the stern cost-cutting measures, and I think it shows, and I think all of us know that. Like deep down inside, we know that. We know this man's capable of putting more into a game. How do we know that? Because he has. And he did it with Bally Williams. And the same is true with other designers over at Stern. And so I, I don't have a problem with that. I just have a problem when Stern machines start costing more than $6,000. Because I, I just don't see where the value is going into these machines. I think they've found a really creative way to sort of use artwork and other things to convince us these things are worth it. Um, I don't think Stranger Things is going to be this like sellout, hard to get game. It hasn't sold out already, which is like crazy, right? Stranger Things, if I were to tell you, Stern is making Stranger Things by Brian Eddy, there's only gonna be 500 LEs. I feel like before showing anything, they would have sold out of the game. You know, it's like after it was revealed, it's a slow burn they're still not sold out of the LEs. And I know that's not like the ultimate barometer of whether or not a game is good or not, but it, it does indicate how excited and enthusiastic people are to get the game. All right, so the other thing is this. The other thing is this. I don't even think it matters on whether or not Stern is going to sell a lot of these games because even though Zach is getting up there at CES and he's showing a very whited out, projector version of the game 99% of people who follow CES and are watching the CNET stream and they're just saying like oh there's a Stranger Things pinball machine I mean it's like the theme of this alone will carry this game pretty far and as I said I think it I think it'll be a, a, a definitely a good seller for Stern but I just I can see it I can see it on pin side people want this game to be more than it is People are, even after seeing how bad it performs uh, under a lot of these conditions, people are still apologizing and making excuses 
and and saying like, what are you, what are you crazy? You think Stern wouldn't have tested this? And I'm telling you, like I heard from people at Stern that it it's not gonna be like this bright image that's projected. The other, the other reason I heard they're delaying showing it more and allowing more of the professional Stern streamers to show us the game is the code. I, I just heard there's not a lot of code on the, on the projector right now. So they've got more work to do with it. And it just begs the question, if this game wasn't that done, why did they release it so soon? And it probably was to get to CES. Okay, there's a big moment. A lot of people are on this company. You know, they want it to be positioned as the greatest tech innovators in pinball. I'm going to be totally honest right now when I tell you this. When I when I see the CES stage and you're showing a lot of people where pinball is in 2020, right? 2019, 2020. The game I'd want up there to show people how like how much you can put in a modern pinball machine today would be a Jersey Jack machine. I mean, I how awesome would it have been if Slash came out and unveiled Guns N' Roses pinball machine from Jersey Jack pinball to the world at CES? Like, that's how you do it. Don't launch it at MGC. Don't launch it at TPF. CES. You know, these little pinball shows that hardly anybody pays attention to, coming out of CES... If you had Slash makes surprise appearance at CES to launch his new pinball machine and Guns N' Roses pinball machine, that's headline news, people. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get that if he comes out at like TPF. Like it's just not the same because the media is not there. There's like no press at any of these pinball shows, but they are at CES. And that's why like as a pinball enthusiast, I just would have liked it if if pinball just put a better foot forward during this major moment. You know, we talk about expanding pinball and this and that and growing the hobby and getting more people aware of pinball. The reality is like, is this how you do it? Is that, is is providing people an underwhelming experience the way to go, all right? You know what's gonna get more people exposed to pinball, whether you like it or not, are those one-up Star Wars pinball machines. They just are. More people... Well, just think pinball when they see that, okay? All right, so look, I'm just curious for you guys out there that are in on these LEs and are bullishly sticking with the LE. Like, what have you seen that the rest of us haven't? Like, what, what, you know what I'm saying? It's like, is it religious faith in this projector within Stern? I just need to know, like, what Kool-Aid are you drinking Because I would like to take it, you know, it's like you guys are living in Jonestown. Like, what is it that makes you feel so confident that even though all these streams have looked really bad, and it's not just like kind of washed out, like really bad. I know people are blaming like video can't capture this. Like, I love it. It's like, it's like this game is like capturing a UFO. It's like, you, you can't capture it on video, Chris. You can't take a photo of it, Chris. You can't stream it with your cell phone, Chris. Well, let me tell you something. Every other pinball machine in the history of pinball, you've been able to do those things. So this thing's either going to be a miracle and work amazingly well, and all of our skepticism will be erased when someone finally gets it into a home, or it's going to land with a resounding thud. 
like crap. It's not that good. And the other thing I'm reading that's just completely crazy is people saying like, well, I'll just, I'll buy a more expensive projector and I'll fix it myself. You got to be out of your minds. You're going to buy a $7,500 to $9,000 toy that you have to go upgrade out of the box to make it look good? Are you people really that stupid? Are you really that stupid? You should be demanding more from these manufacturers. You know, it's going to be really embarrassing if a, a, a better projector makes this thing look incredible. It's going to be really embarrassing for Stern that they didn't put the proper projector into the game and they forced their customers to do the necessary upgrade out of their own pocket after buying the game. I would not in a million years, I would not in a million years buy a game like this if the tech that was needed to make it work properly was cheapened out on. No, Stern should have made sure that this, to get it to work right, that they put the best possible projector they could for the size they need in the game. So I, I don't know, for you guys out there, like, well, I'll just, I'll just get it and, and, and fix it. What's, what's wrong with you people? Wake up. You're spending $7,500 to $9,000 on a toy. It should come right from the manufacturer. All right, let's just do a little checklist of when you grown men out there buy a toy from a company. Okay, let's, let's just, here, here's the thing. These are just like things to live by. Ways to like, the way you should be buying things in the real world as grown men who work hard for your money. Number one, you should buy something when it's freaking complete. It's done. You shouldn't be buying things incomplete and be the guinea pig and wait, wait, wait months, if not years for the game to be finished. All right, that's stupid. So you should, when you buy something at these prices, it should be finished at the factory, not incomplete. All right, let's start there. Does that sound, is that fair? Okay, number two, you should not have to mechanically fix issues that should have been fixed at the factory, okay? So you shouldn't have to upgrade a projector if the projector in the game from the factory doesn't work right, okay? You shouldn't have to spend extra money. Number three, you should not, you shouldn't have to buy a game that is defective and then wait a really long time for the manufacturer to do something about it, if anything at all, okay? So if you buy a brand new game and the play fields are chipping, without question, you should get a newly populated play field or at least a, you know, a new, for those right out of the box, chipping, inexcusable. It's just the product. What would you do if you bought a car and the paint started chipping off it? What would you do? Even if it was the bumper, even if it was a small area, it doesn't matter where it is, right? What would you do? What would you do if you bought, I'm trying to think of another example of something we buy. If you bought a watch and the dial fell off, right? Or if you bought a bottle of wine and it just started leaking, would you just, okay, well, just drink it fast. Like, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't complain about it. Look, these are just defects. You should not have to spend this kind of money and put up with defects. Is that fair? And look, They'll fix the problems. You know, that's the thing that kills me is if you simply don't buy when you know games are incomplete, if you don't buy when you know games have defective issues, if you don't buy when you know games have inferior tech in them, guess what the companies will do, you dingbats? They'll fix those issues at the factory. They'll fix them. But as long as you run and buy these games incomplete, 
as long as you run and buy games for $15,000 that have a piece of couch in it that's not even attached to the apron, as long as you do that, you're gonna get nothing better than what you're getting, you dummies. I mean, we have to wake up a little bit here. We have to hold these companies a little bit more accountable, all right? Pinball's fun. I love pinball. I love these games. I love that we have so many options. But man, if you're gonna put tech into a game, just make sure it works and be able to show it to people before you take their money, all right? All right, what else is going on in pinball? Is there anything else really going on? New York City Pinball Championships people, they're coming back. I saw the press release from Levy went out today. I think it's May, I wanna say like 14th and 15th. Uh, and before that, there is a sort of like a, a, a battle of the best at Adam Schwartz's loft in Tribeca. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to the New York City Pinball Championships. I, I I'm not I, I get why it would be inappropriate for me to go back, um, but I might swing by Adams Tribeca Loft and just try to make amends with some of these guys. I mean it's been two years now, and I hope we can all forgive and move on and just enjoy some pinball. So I hope to do that. I hope to shake Levy's hand and be like, let's just put this stuff behind us. Hopefully Tim will be there. So I can apologize in person and we can go from there. For those of you who don't know, it's a long story, but we're not going to go back into it. All right. So speaking of twippies, oh my God, have you voted? So I heard there was over 2,500 votes have come in so far for the twippies. So that's amazing. That's amazing. I get about 2,500 listeners to Canada's Pinball Podcast. So I know all of you voted, right? And you got your wives to vote. You got your kids to vote. Um, it closes this month. And so if you haven't voted, go vote, uh, vote for, you know, the best pins, the best this, the best that, but, you know, hopefully you vote for Canada's pinball podcast, but I wanted to just put a final nail in the coffin on one of the topics. Like people are giving Jeff so much grief on pin side about the twippies. And I just want to say for everyone complaining, and I know there's some categories out there that are not as meaningful as others. I know there's like, you know, local leagues and local locations and, 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 you know, favorite player. Look, at the end of the day, Jeff made it 100% fair to everybody. If you had a league you liked or a location you liked, you had ample time to vote. And if you are a location that wants to be in the top 10, then you're going to have to get the people who visit your bar or location or league you're going to have to activate them to vote for you in the twippies because that's just how it works, right? And there's no other fair way to do it. And so I just get so annoyed when people complain and then say, well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't know there was, well, well what do you want Jeff to do? It was on his site for a really long time. Every single podcast talked about it for a really long time. Every single, you know, on pin side, they talked about it. So almost every single pinball channel that is out there that said, we're going to do this sort of, you know, in December, we're going to do pre-voting to, to figure out the drop downs. What do you want the man to do people? You can't blame them. It, you know, it's, it's like, if you, if you decide to go off of the pinball media grid, or you don't know when election day is, and you wake up, you know, a day after election day and start complaining that you didn't know, tough, tough, just wake up. Now, you know, now, you know, 
And look, the Twippies is fun. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to celebrate and have a good time with pinball. And if you've been to a show, you know how much fun it is. If you've watched it online, you know how much fun it is. But the one thing I think most of you don't know, and most of you who are complaining just need to shut the F up. I'll tell you why. You don't know how much work goes into that show and how much backbreaking work Jeff puts into that show and the committee puts into that show. You don't understand. You would not even want to do 10% of what they have to do to get that whole thing organized and together. And before Jeff and before Zach, you know, and the committee put this thing together, right? The first one was said, you know, Greg, Zach, and Jeff, they did a great job with it. Before they did this, you tell me who was doing anything like this that even remotely celebrated the people, the personalities, and the products of pinball. And for those of you out there who think the Twippies is just a moment for like people like, you know, Canada to pat himself on the back, no. But also, I, for those haters out there, I just have this to say to you. I have this to say to you. 440 episodes I've put on a headset and a microphone and I've delivered entertaining content about pinball. If it wasn't entertaining, nobody would listen. And for you haters out there, what have you done? And most of them, you know, they go on the pin side, they complain about something, they derail threads, they turn a thread into talk about politics or downloadable content. You know, that place is like, it's, it's so mind-numbing right now. And the reason why I love this podcast, it's so much better than Pinside to just think about pinball for an hour because we stay focused. We give you a few topics. Imagine trying to listen to this show and every time I said something, even if it was smart or even if it was dumb, I say something and then there's like, then like, you know, the 20 or 30 Pinside bullies, you know, come into my podcast and just start all talking and pushing everything that's smart down the pages. And then you have to weed through 30 pages to get to something decent or informative. And that's what Pinside is. It's like, I mean, it's like something could be great and it's just people just do it for the upvotes and then, then it's pushed out. And then you're on page 89 of like Stranger Things Pinball and the last 20 pages have been about downloadable content and nothing about the game. And it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy how you have to weed through so much just to get something of value these days on the site. All right, everybody. Everybody, I'm going to just sign off on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I just want to say I've been getting a lot of nice notes from people. I've been getting a lot of emails from people who say, uh, you know, I I changed my mind on your show. I I actually really enjoy it. I I do think you care about pinball. And I want to say thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who voted for Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, and, And I look forward to getting a lot more great episodes your way. I need to fix my computer. I, I've been slacking on interviews. There are people I want to talk to. I mean, if I got Scott Denisi on now, I'd basically be like, Scott, what haven't you told everyone else? But we will get more interviews on the show. February's, you know, going to be a little bit, is it, is it going to be a, I said February, is January going to be a dead month? I don't know. Did you see the picture of uh, Rick and Morty on the line at Spooky Pinball? See, to me, that's what pinball is about. It's about Stern Pinball continuing to deliver games for us to choose from. They might have some hits. They might have some misses. We might question the creativity in some of their games. 
but they keep making pinball. I was just proud to see pinball out there at CES. You know, when Wired Magazine calls pinball one of the coolest things they've seen at CES, that's good for the hobby. It's good for the hobby. Whether you like the game or not, it's good for the hobby. And I'm, and I'm glad. And, and, and without Stern doing this and, and investing in the marketing and getting these things you know, to the shows, it's good for the hobby. It really is. You know, it lifts all boats, right? Rising tides of pinball. And so it's good. And so, you know, that's what I love. I love to see that. Brenda just opened the door and let Bubba in. And I tell you this, guys, because it's happening right now. Bubba just stomped in here. And just that action of opening the door, babe, you can come in now. I lose the train of thought. And this is how, this is how serious I take this podcast. I can't, I can't stay focused when my 60-pound bulldog comes barging towards me with, with this look in his eyes like he's like, Daddy, Daddy, are we going to get a third Twippy? I'm like, Bubba, I'm telling you, buddy, I think they're going to do the votes that you asked for. Um, anyway, but I just want to say I've been thankful to get all the nice notes from you guys. And even though, you know, Rick and Morty's on the line, and I say, I just, I'll go back. I, I found my train of thought. That's what I love to see is that there are a lot of healthy pinball companies out there dedicated to giving us these games. And it's great. And it's great. And I can't wait to play Rick and Morty. Isn't it amazing? Charlie hasn't shown it. I think he's listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast. I think he's doing it the right way. I think the first people who play Rick and Morty should be the owners and not the streamers. I think there's a big difference there. And I think it's great that, number one, I hope it goes to like Ed Robertson and they set it up in Ed's house. Ed's like a big, you know, Ed's a big fan of Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I know he he won't publicly admit it. And I know he's hearing this right now. He's like, God damn it, Canada. Like all my stern friends are now going to be mad at me that I listen to every show. And I'm like, oh, Ed, I know it. But man, you know, it's the truth. And if more people came out and just would admit it, you know, Canada's Pinball Podcast is like McDonald's. It's like no one admits to listening to the show, yet somebody does because I see the number and, and, and we get votes. So uh, Ed Robertson is the number one fan. I'm going to do fake news right now. Ed Robertson is Canada's Pinball Podcast number one fan, and he will, he will never admit that. But I've got the text messages in my phone to prove it. Ed, don't make me share those text messages. All right, everyone, have a great night, and we'll see. We'll see if this projector actually works in people's homes. But who knows when that's going to be? Bye, bye, bye. Those LEs. We come on. We, you know, if we haven't seen enough ads to buy those games, um, you know, once you go Zach, you never go back. I hear. All right, everyone, have a great night. Like if I want a stern, I'll I'll get another stern. <laughs> <laughs>